description. Okay. Okay. It's, now it says live streaming live. Okay. All right. I see live on Facebook on the top of the screen. Meeting yeah. is now streaming live on Facebook. Yeah. So I think we inside. So I'm going to go back to it and see what's going on. Let's see if we survived the first night. Right, this is, was live. I'm going to go on high stream live now. Yeah. And Edgar L shares the one that, the one that, the one that, we will share up the one that now we can okay. get to share it again. Don't worry. Yeah. I'm going to delete the one that, that one already, right? Yeah, me too. I'm going to delete it so the people don't get confused. I just realized I was on mute this whole time. Oh, okay. I thought you were <laughs> oh, yeah. talking, boy. We thought you were saying Rel, but we didn't talk. I say Rel takes it. I ask if we, 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 um, like, we discuss on this show. I don't know. What is the, <laughs> is it family friendly? <laughs> All right. So we have, okay, we, we live. We could yeah. go and share it now. It, it, it seems to be working. Um, yeah. Good afternoon, everybody. We just had a bit of, Bugs, technical bugs there, dealing with get going live from four corners of the world, if you want to call it that. So welcome to one and all to the Heights Room live session, conversation COVID-19. Right, I have with me here my usual co-host, Shankara Lessi, where it's 5 a.m. by him, so if you seem looking kind of sleepy, you know, though, way <laughs> too much minded. And well, on my screen underneath me, I don't know how you've seen it right now in the, in the windows, but... I have Chris Parag, straight from the UK, and we have Dennis Ramdas from the US. Um, so let's just um, get everyone to share. If you all could share, if you all could share the, the live right now, as they say, share up the live, it will be helpful because I don't think anybody got updates on their platform itself. Well, I didn't get an update, really. So if you all could share up the live right now, we had a little technical difficulty earlier, so I'm going to try to share up this one right now. Share. All right, post. Live. Now. Right. So we have our 20 people there, so I think we could begin. All right. Um... So yeah, Dennis, your fans and I'm cheering you on here. Oh, okay. Nisha, Nisha goes way back with both of us as well from Voss days. So um, okay. so yeah, so this discussion today is one which we know is you know no stranger to anybody's mind right now because as the whole world is facing this global pandemic, and we at Hightstream here thought it would have been fit in to discuss the <clears throat> reality across the globe at this point, because I'd, as I said earlier, we have Dennis in the USA, we have Chris in the UK, and we have Shankara, who is right now in Micronesia. If you don't know where that <laughs> is, you can check your atlas and you will see where Micronesia is. Um, and we also took it upon ourselves to contact uh, our friends who are here with us today because of their areas of expertise. Uh, Dennis 
is a software. Um, wait, 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 see a title there, Dennis? Yeah, so staff software engineer at, at VMware, which is a tech right, company. So that's right, so in the Bay Area, so in Silicon Valley. And well, Chris, interestingly enough, Chris, you want to tell them a little bit about what you do? Uh, yeah, so um, basically I do mathematical models that try to predict the spread or rate of spread of infectious diseases. Right, so that. so that is straight in line with, with, with the COVID-19 pandemic, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I mean... And you do, and you do the, sorry? Yeah. No, I was going to say... Yeah, you, you continue. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, and um, yeah, I just say yeah, they use these exact same methods currently to, um, you know, try and predict a few days ahead or sometimes a few weeks ahead and potentially inform governments. So, right. So that is, you know, the kind of information that not much people would have at this point in time, you know. So we are really happy that you took this decision today to join us on this um, Hightroom conversation. Now, just to start us off in the, in the discussion, right? Everybody here who's looking on, we know that all nations right now are facing different challenges due to COVID-19. But I know for a fact that they are not there are many people who still do, are not sure about what COVID-19 is. So sh recently, Shankara was put in mandatory quarantine. Not so Shankara. America's right. <laughs> right. So you had to go into a mandatory quarantine without any symptoms or anything just because you traveled. Not so? Mm -hmm. And that yeah. would have spurred you now to do a lot of research now on the reason why you had to stay. How long were you in quarantine for? Four days. Four days? With with um with any device what what the internet and, and all that kind of thing or you just we we oh. tell me internet we we tell me about <laughs> is prison that place prison dog <laughs> so it was like Golden Grove yeah <laughs> you get to walk outside and thing we had to stay inside the room people was in hazmat suit and thing and all of that. Yeah, well, it, dep it depends on what you mean by outside, you know, so I know what I'm saying, you know, but, um, yeah, but we, we had to stay in the compound, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it, was, it wasn't a nice experience, and for um, people who, who never go to jail, um, you know, don't go. <laughs> do it cool. If you, if you was ever unsure, I could tell you no, don't go, <laughs> son. You don't want to go in that. All right, deal is not option. So Shankara, I know you have, with, with your writing now, you have delved deeper into this whole issue of, of pandemic and disease and viruses and so on. So just for those of yeah. the viewers who may not be too sure of what is COVID-19 and your little research you've done recently, what can you tell the viewers about COVID-19 that they may not know? Yeah, so the, the, the first thing is to understand is that um, coronaviruses is nothing new. Um, it's been around since the 1960s. Um, there are four main types of coronavirus. Coronaviruses basically are those viruses with the spike protein on it on the outside. So if you see 
pictures of it, it looks like a, a virus in a little hole <laughs> on your side. Um, and it could come in, in you know, varying different forms. The human uh, coronaviruses uh, is the specific ones that people know about, but the coronaviruses fall in four major categories, alpha, beta, gamma, and delta. Um, the human ones generally are beta coronaviruses. Um, you have uh, SARS and MERS, uh, those are coronaviruses. And the most recent one that we're dealing with, which is the SARS-CoV-2, uh, which is what everybody what? calls the novel coronavirus. Okay, so I don't know if any, if you could tell me about this, because I, I found that to be a kind of confusing when I, at first it was novel, as the word suggests novel meaning new, right? Yeah. Um, well, and then COVID-19 and SARS-CoV-2, that's the same thing? Yes, yes, yes. Same so thing. just two yes. different scientific names for it. Yeah, it's an evolution on the first SARS. Because the first SARS was a coronavirus as well. But this coronavirus was a very new one. But it's new in a lot of different ways. So they call it a novel coronavirus. And because the first case happened in 2019, they call it NCOV-19. So that's where the COVID-2019 came from. So NCOV-19, COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2, they're all names to the same virus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so people just have different names for it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. That's how I'm seeing it, because you know, I was kind of confused about that. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, just I think- a, Just a cut in there. Um, yeah. I think it's also that uh, SARS-CoV-2 is the name of the virus and the COVID-19 sure. is used for the actual epidemic. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So the, oh, okay. Um, so the epidemic is COVID. That's the name of the epidemic, COVID-19. And, yeah. and SARS-CoV-2 is the actual name of the virus itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh that, I was confused about that. I didn't understand that. Um, yeah. Chris, from your yeah. research, how could, how, what, what would you say is the major difference between this coronavirus from, what, from your area, from you, how you look at it? What, would you, what could you say is the difference between this coronavirus and the coronaviruses of not too recent past, like, like SARS? Well, <clears throat> there are some similarities, I think, when you get down to, um, I don't know if you eventually you hit this number called the reproduction number. I don't know. Okay. So that's the, if, if anyone who watched Contagion, for example, yeah. they, they yeah. talked thought about that. So it's the average number of people infected um, by one person, right? And the, um, the current, the, this new one has a number of approximately 2.5, but there's some uncertainty on that number, right? But let's say that as the sort of accepted average. And uh -huh. SARS has a, a bit of a slightly higher one. Right. But what seems to be ongoing with this particular thing is it has an ability to spread quite quickly. Right. As in it, and um, a particular danger, which is not totally confirmed yet, is that it seems that it has um, a possibility of spreading before symptoms show up. For some well, it seems that way to me. It seems that way to me because there's so much different data coming in and reports coming in. It seems that before symptoms come up someone can spread it. it i mean and that's i think that it, that has been to me the greatest challenge faced by medical the medical fraternity and by everyone in society at all 
dealing with this? Because I mean, when you had Ebola, which was not a coronavirus, but what were the symptoms of Ebola? They were extreme, right? When you get Ebola, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> right? Now, the, this, this virus is, is likened to the, to the flu in, in many ways. And in some ways it is sensible because the flu is something that hits everybody differently. You know, some people could go to work with it. Some people have to stay home because they just can't make, you know what I mean? Yeah. And in some ways too, people liken it to the flu in the wrong way, trying to compare this. Well, we'll get into that a little later. So yeah. would you say that, um, that it is, although it's not to totally proven, would you say that the, the, the observations thus far lean towards the fact that COVID, COVID um, SARS-CoV-2 can be spread without any major symptoms? It, it seems that way, but I wouldn't say that it's been confirmed totally yet, right. but it seems that a portion, not, not every one of us, some uh, particular portion, I can't remember the precise figure and the estimates vary across reports, but there's a portion of believed to have appeared to not um, have any sort of visible symptoms and can still transmit. And as you pointed out, that is a major issue because if you can't easily identify someone, you have no way to, um, you know, implement measures against that. Yeah, and, and that, that's the thing about it because when people think about the disease, they think about, well, if somebody is sick, you know, you put them in quarantine, but in America right now, like, like okay, um, Dennis, <clears throat> And there are people with coronavirus, like positive patients in America who are not in a quarantine. Yeah, so one of the recommended, depends state to state, but self-isolation is recommended for a large percentage of the affected population if, if they are not uh, considered seriously medical Ill, medically ill. So uh, people who have coronavirus are sheltering in place similarly, very similarly to people who don't have it, but are also the shelter in place to avoid getting the disease. Well, it's because it, it's, it's a lot different here because of the size of our island and the resources we have. It kind of comes into play that people, people, I think they for granted the kind of quote unquote a blessing that it is that we have the, the kind of population we have and the resources that we take for granted at this point in time, because in our society right now, once you ha are tested positive for the coronavirus, you are in Cora or Hoover quarantine, you are in hospital, even if you're not symptomatic, you know? And I don't think people in Trinidad realize that in other nations, you can have the coronavirus and you don't have to be in a hospital, on a bed, in a quarantine or anything of that nature. And that all comes down to, you know, the, the population and the resources and just the I think what it really comes down to is the testing because what I'm noticing that, okay, because we have such a small number of positive patients in Trinidad, it is easy to say we are going to quarantine all and give the impression that we, are, we have the situation under control, right? Mm. Because our level of testing for uh, over a million people on, on the island, we have tested, well, the samples have reached about 1200 or so and i don't know if in those up to now i noticed that there is a bit of a uh ambiguity in the press about how many people have been tested because the number of tests does not really reflect the number of people because it's not a test per person 
it's multiple tests per, per person in, in some cases. So I think that it's, it, it's really, um, it's really eye-open. And when you think about the fact that in a place like Louisiana, the same week when we had, I, can, I might be off with the numbers here, but um, it's, it's, it's no, no, no um, secret that they had like close to a thousand cases of positive patients. And we had around 80. And I think they had zero deaths, if not one death. And we had like five. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, how does that make sense? How does one place have thousands of positive patients? It, it could only mean that a lot of those patients aren't really dying. They are just sick. Yeah, I mean, well, they just, they just have the virus. They, they might be even seeming well. But they are part of the statistic that shows COVID-19 positive. Um, and I think that is a, a, a real, real important thing that people in Trinidad don't understand that, yes, our numbers might seem low at this point in time. We might not have more deaths climbing right now. We might not have the infection being, oh, we have so much more. But isn't that, I would say, doesn't it seem to you all that that is because we only know about those who are pretty much, you know, they have either traveled or they're dying. Yeah. So, so what you said is effectively the, the crux of the, um, the issue across many countries is that with testing, there's a, a large number of biases, right? So yeah. as you said, like the, the, they used to, at least in the beginning, test people who just traveled from somewhere, but specifically at the beginning, if they traveled from say China or somewhere near China, um, but the other thing is a test based on severity. So if you have severe symptoms, you're more likely to go to a hospital or to be found, you know, to, to flag yourself as a potential um, infected and you'll get tested. But if you have mild symptoms, some people have so mild symptoms, they might not even know that they have, you know, that this, they're ill or they might not manifest that. And then you could get, uh, they wouldn't register in the numbers that are being reported by the country or state or whatever. And, and this is a big issue as well when it comes to predictions or comes to making, um, as you said, with say for Trinidad, for example, if you see a small number, you might think, well, yeah, that's, that's good. And it might be, but it have two major things um, potentially breaking that belief. And one is uh, the, the underreporting, which is when um, you might have all these cases you don't know about that haven't been tested, haven't been confirmed, haven't been reported in any way. And then there's also a delay between, uh, say, cases that you might not see or cases that exist and things like deaths. So you could think, well, these few weeks are going good, but you could have a pileup coming in in the next couple of weeks that started in those few weeks that you didn't know about, but which you might not have responded to because you only saw a few up to that time point. I don't know if that's clear, but effectively, the delay is, is, is another big issue. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing in, in California here too is um, a bunch of these these things were being studied. So I, I don't know if how close you all follow the the Stanford testing. So they did uh, antibody testing, kind of stochastically of the population, regardless of symptoms. So I think the the results starting to come out that uh, a lot many more people than than anticipated either basically have the antibodies. Uh, for COVID-19. And uh, I think they're trying to analyze the data, but 
that's one one interesting thing here and then also uh california also this year apparently had a worse than normal flu season which uh there are some theories floating around maybe it could have been COVID 19 before um before they anticipated because of people traveling from from uh china and things like that so that that's another hypothesis that's that's out there yeah and 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 keep in keep in mind to cut up that um remember how trinidad chose to deal um with the situation had to do with a large influx of of possibly infected people which was the cruise ships and as soon as that happened you know trinidad went into this lockdown that everybody else not necessarily dealing with it that way. Um, Sweden in particular is, is one of the few places that there's a lot of debate going on about within where they actually are doing zero restrictions. They are saying um, that doing travel bans and that kind of thing uh, wouldn't work and they're trying to use a, a technique called herd immunity. So they're basically saying, let the virus spread just like any flu. And as it makes its way through the population, people will build antibodies to it and they would recover. Um, the problem with that, however, is that Sweden right now, in terms of deaths, deaths per 100,000 uh, is actually higher than the US right now. So within the Swedish medical community, it is very fractured because people within there is basically, you know, challenging the government saying this herd immunity strategy isn't working because we're higher than um, the US. Uh, I think Italy is, Italy is the highest, highest per 100,000 deaths. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's this herd immunity strategy isn't working. Um, and take the other extreme, which is like Taiwan, um, right next to China, uh, John Hopkins predicted that uh, from their predictions that Taiwan's supposed to be like the second highest in the world right now. Uh, right now, I think is US, Spain and Italy are the three highest. Um, but Taiwan just has, I think, 329 confirmed cases uh, and six deaths, just like Trinidad. And their population is 23 million. So, I mean, Trinidad has to take stock of all of the, these different realities methods and, and, and so on that being used around the world. Um, and that, you know, it's, it's not a, you, you can't take a militant approach and, 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 you know, claim victory, quote unquote. Everyone is pushing to flatten the curve in, in different ways. Different things would have prompted a certain approach in Trinidad, um, but it's not necessarily, um, you know, the perfect, the, the perfect solution, you know? I think you're on mute. <laughs> yeah, no, I know I'm muted there. Sorry about that. Um, Shankara, Micronesia, how many cases you have? Zero. Micronesia is one of the last 16 countries in the world um, that has zero confirmed cases and zero deaths. Um, I, well, if, Eight of those 16 are in the Pacific. Um, so it's islands close to Micronesia and so on. So it's, it's very different. Very also. small islands in the Pacific then? Very small islands, but it's uh, a lot of, um, 
a lot of theories uh, hover around travel to these uh, remote islands and, and basically attributing that to the reason why no confirmed cases have, have, have reached yet. I mean, the, the, the spread is starting to box us in, but you know. Are there measures in place though so that it stays to zero? Is it like a travel restriction or something? Yeah, it's, it's been on total lockdown for, for about three weeks now. Uh, so no planes in or out, only cargo planes. Um, there's a little less restrictions on, on the boats that are coming in, um, but day-to-day -day operations are normal, just the normal wash hands frequently, you know, try and enforce social distancing, but no work from home or, or, or anything like that. Okay, okay. Um, so qu question to, I guess, Chris, um, you could probably tackle this one. So we heard, we just heard about herd immunity, right? Yeah. What is your take on on that on herd immunity? Personally, I guess. Of, in terms of the well, first I don't know how many people necessarily know exactly what herd immunity is, but exactly. um, yeah. So just to, to get back into that basics, um, effectively, is the idea that if a enough of a population is immune. To a potential pathogen or disease, then if it is reintroduced or say and a new season comes in, if enough of those people are, uh, say, the, the more common way, say, vaccinated uh, against that disease, then it wouldn't be able to spread and would actually also protect the proportion of people who weren't vaccinated and hence vulnerable to that disease. Right. And it's a very successful idea for why vaccination works and why but also why um, you need to have vaccination above a certain level, right? So if you vaccine, uh, vaccinate a, a portion of the population and it's below a certain threshold, which you could calculate and relates to the reproduction number, mm -hmm. um, then, you, um, then you would only have partial effectiveness against an emerging uh, a disease coming in. With, uh, with this disease, because it's novel, no one has immunity stuck going into it, right? So you have a, com a population that's completely vulnerable or what this is, susceptible. Um, the belief is that things like social distancing and so on could only limit the spread, but you could get, say we limit the spread, say all the countries on lockdown right now, right? Or most countries, and supposedly that reducing the spread. Right, that's what the analysis says. Um, once they reopen, they have the potential for the epidemic to peak again, mm -hmm. right? Um, so your only long-term measure is to have a vaccine. But as you said, some people toyed with the idea of if supposedly if you get infected, it's not actually confirmed yet either. But supposedly if you get infected with um, uh, the novel coronavirus, you should hopefully be immune towards being reinfected. Right. And that's how um, that's the second way and much less efficient way to build up herd immunity. The problem with an argument that we could do it naturally by letting the epidemic like pulse through the population is that you could end up, first of all, you could end up with effectively given a death sentence to a lot of people, more vulnerable people of your population, um, unless you have some really good way to isolate them from everyone else. 
And secondly is, this, remember this is a novel pathogen, they don't quite know what its characteristics and behaviors are. Just to make that kind of bet on something you don't know, like it could be you end up with a large portion of people still with severe symptoms, overloading hospitals, and sure. then a bunch of other people will die as a, you know, from lack of beds yeah, or lack of resources. You're betting on a marble in the marble race then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're, betting on, you're betting on a roll of a dice, but you don't know all the numbers on that dice. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, Because locally, there were people who echoed that sentiment, you know, and internationally, you know, there are people who echo in such such sentiments for different reasons. Some of them probably have certain agendas, you know, their own personal, (coughs) probably selfish reasons, I guess, or maybe they think that that the world right now is overreacting to the COVID-19 virus. I will ask each of, anyone who wants to jump in on this, just personally, um, looking at the fact that we had like, you know, H1N1, and then, you know, people like to liken this to the flu and all this kind of thing. Uh, uh, is, is there a chance that, that the measures being taken at this point in time is is it an overreaction? Does anyone think it's does anyone here think it's an overreaction in any way? Well, well, I I, I wanna I wanna give context to that Potter and just just give some facts, right? So there's no opinions. Uh, two days ago, the world just crossed two million confirmed cases in the world, right? And 134,000 deaths. All right. Now you have to understand that the last century. Uh, in let's say a little a little past 180 um, was the first that first set of plagues. Uh, then you had the bubonic plague that came in with 200 million deaths. Mm-hmm. And in the 20th century, which was the early 1900s, you had the great influenza, which was the Spanish flu, that was 50 million deaths. Then HIV/AIDS, which was around uh, 35 million. And then in our century alone, you had SARS, um, MERS. H1N1, and then you had different strains of the, uh, of the avian flu, like H7N9, that had 36% mortality rate and so on. Um, the coronavirus deaths, I, I believe, have now passed Ebola. Um, Ebola's total deaths. And uh, that's why I raised the, 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 the matter of understanding the, con- the, the context of plagues that have happened so far um how much lower our numbers are now as opposed to the medieval era so it shows that western medicine and treatments are really helping in terms of keeping the numbers down but for the 20, 21st, 21st century now i mean we barely crack it and we had three you know um epidemic uh, you know epidemics that 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 emerge and they're all zoonotic viruses all Generally, I would say almost all. Uh, I think, I think you should explain. Like you should explain what zoonotic viruses are. Oh right, yes. So, <laughs> so zoonotic is is basically when uh, viruses start in animals and transfer to humans, and then uh, when they grow and and develop and, and spread in humans, it then forms a a, a evolved virus. Um, we- so those and all of those so far so. MERS, uh, Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, that, that was camels, 
the first SARS was civets and uh, bats, and then it went from bat to civet um, to humans. This one, they're saying bats to possibly pangolins to humans or bats straight to humans, the horseshoe bat. Um, then you had swine flu, uh, H1N1, and then you had bird flu, or um, I think it's lineage Asian uh, bird flu, which is the H799. That's, that's the one that was very high. And for the SARS, I mean, you really want to look at the Taiwan case study um, because they were the ones who went on some really strict, because they just came off of SARS. Remember, we didn't get SARS in the Western end because that first SARS was not yeah. contagious. This is the first, you know? this is the first, this is the first disease and, and pandemic in, in my lifetime. And I think in probably my parents' lifetime as well. So yes, I can actually. So HIV is one, but we don't ever talk about right. it anymore. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very true. The first, the first flu-like disease, right? Yeah. The first flu-like disease to, since the Spanish influenza, which was in 1920, you know, Correct. around that time. So Correct. it's, it's, um, it's such a, a, a shock to the system. And mm -hmm. the system is feeling it, you know, psychologically people are feeling it, but the system <clears> itself, the way the world has been running, like the way mm -hmm. the world runs, you know, the world runs on yep. business and on time. Uh, time is money. And now yeah. all of a sudden, you know, you, the time is to be, not to be spent the same way it was because time is not money anymore. Time away from the outside is life or death in some cases and all of this kind of thing, right? So, you know, mm -hmm. now we have this whole move towards work from home, stay at home, all these different things that, I tell you right now in Trinidad, a lot of people working from home who never got the opportunity to work from home from before. And it makes me wonder, well, what they was waiting on to get half of these people to kind of stay <laughs> home some days and not crowd up these, these streets of order Spain. And it, 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 it really, and then like in the education system, you see the failure in the education system that they have not modernized the education system in any way. So now that we can't go to school, there's no learning really that can take place except for one or two little um, pats on your shoulders through these these little things they put in online that's not really going to facilitate for any relearning and so on. So it's really a wake-up call, I would mm -hmm. say, for, for the world, places like Trinidad, especially where we haven't really taken into consideration the technology and the, the digital age and what it brings for, for the workforce and all of that. But, but moving back into... Um, into what you, what you, what you were saying about um, what I was saying there about work on the whole, like Dennis, right now in, in the Bay Area and, and with with I I mean a lot a lot of the a lot of the business in America has, has to slow down and so on, right? What 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 are the real effects you see in there right now? Yeah, so the Bay Area is a little bit of a unique place because it is kind of the center for high tech. So you know, Google, Facebook, Apple, all these mega companies VMware have HQ in, in the Bay Area. So in some ways, the Bay Area was a little more equipped to deal with the work remotely situation. Like for example, uh, in, in my team, we have a distributed team across the globe. So even before this, you know, I was familiar with Zoom and basically having distributed meetings. But I think uh, one thing in the Bay Area is there's a disparity of income and, and standard of living between kind of the, the tech industry and, and the service industry. And things like this make it very difficult uh, on, those, on, on those people who are not directly in the tech industry, who don't have the opportunity to 
and the availability to work from home. So for example, uh, before in, in February, as late as February, I believe the unemployment rate in the Bay Area was 5%, is already 11%. So we're talking about just over the course of you know five weeks that uh, a significant percentage of the population has, has lost their jobs already. This is not even the, the follow-on effects. The follow-on effects will be even greater. So these are you know, people working in restaurants, cleaners, gardeners, all these things. So it's, it's really a, a wake-up call to, to expose some of the other underlying issues in, in the way society is here as well. Yeah, I mean, one thing I want to add. Yeah, one thing I want to add to that, uh, and just to go back to Dennis. Dennis, I just saw an article saying uh, a couple of days ago, that 5.2 million workers in, in the US applied for unemployment, which was the largest since the Great Depression. Um, so they, they're basically saying the unemployment in the US you know, is, is the highest right now since, since the Great Depression. And even, um, you know, so th this is why, you know, a, a lot of people are, are justifying, um, you know, the, the, the presidential push to sort of give leeway to governors to, to, to basically set their own criteria in terms of when they want to relax and that kind of thing. So in other words, you know, the president is not saying maybe first or not maybe first. He's saying, well, as governors, you have the authority to, 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 to then decide how you want to uh, stem this. Because, I mean, coming from a small, you know, working in a small island, I could tell you the controls for this virus versus the economic fallout borders on punitive at a certain point in time. How, how is the US and, and probably in, in your area in particular, your governor and whatnot, how, how they dealing with that? So in, in California, we've had some of the more stringent measures compared to across the country. Uh, so for example, the tech companies recommended since first week in March to, to work from home, the shelter in place went uh, the week after that, which was at that time unprecedented in the US. Uh, and and there, were, there were complaints. So I would say uh, definitely people have felt affected in terms of uh, it's hurt in their pocket, it's hurt in their psyche, things like that. Um, and the, 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 the most uncertain thing is, is how, when to declare victory, how to emerge from this. And I think that is going to be the big challenge. So even... Yeah. Even if there's a desire to, to reopen work and things like that, there isn't really a clear plan for how to do that. And there's so much uncertainty, as Chris mentioned, with this is a novel virus. We don't really know enough about it to, to make decisions. And some of the data that we've had has been highly biased or you know, inconclusive or insufficient. So it's a very difficult uh, path forward to figure out how to emerge from this. Yes, yeah. emerging from it is going to be interested to say the least. Um, with all these measures being placed, Chris, stay at home, flatten the curve. Extremely yep. important. Extre extremely, extremely important, right? Yeah, there's, so yeah. there's not much else you could do, really, you know, <laughs> until, until a vaccine comes. Either you do that or you prepare to let some... How long are we some... from a vaccine, do you think? How long do you think in your... Yeah, in some... I mean, you can't really say no, and some people in Oxford are so claiming that they could have something down 
at least initial trials in September, but that's probably a bit optimistic. I imagine um, what people generally say is that could be a year, to up, right. up to 18 months. Um, yeah. That's a lot of reasons. Still then. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Dennis, go ahead. No, I was saying what was kind of surprising to me is that uh, like who and some of the various other organizations didn't really, they don't really seem to have a streamlined plan for pandemic vaccines, you know, getting it out the door. It seems like some of, some of this process is being like designed now, whereas uh, a little more pre-planning would have helped, you know, like this is how we streamline to get a vaccine in three well, months in terms of manufacturing, etc. Yeah, I hear you. Speaking of pre-planning, Okay, well, let me just get back to this thing. Okay, so if we say there's, a, okay, let's say looking at 18 months average for a vaccine, Chris. Yeah. And anybody could chime in here. Do, mm. do, we, do we stay at home for, for that entire period? No, no. So the, the biggest, the absolute biggest thing right now is what they call designing exit strategies. So how to get out from lockdown, because as pointed out, um, economically, it's, it's a big bust, right? everybody Mm -hmm. for things to be ground to halt halt like that but equally as somebody else showed so so well first of all to give context um there was a writer who asked the question uh related to whether we're making too big a deal or not it's like what is the debt the level of debt um sort of above that being caused by coronavirus because you know like across any amount of time in a big population you'll see a certain number of debts right Mm -hmm. And we not really, normally, news doesn't report that, so people wouldn't have any idea what that number is generally, right? It's probably a big number from all sorts of things. So asking, so is it that big? And then a statistician, a very famous one, did the numbers and said, actually, you could say that the risk in the last month or two and and the resulting uh, risk and deaths and severity and so on of this thing added about a year's worth of normal risk. Oh, Um, okay. So it is a serious. So it is a serious. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. 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 So when you say extra strategies, what 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 um what are like like you mean as so like they would have like a slow release of people back out to work in certain areas that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's a design of because so as I was saying before, like so if we hold our lockdown for a while and we open up back, you risk the chance of the epidemic shooting back up right at least until a significant proportion of the population becomes immune Um, so the idea is you need to sort of manage that you could say um, expected extra peaks uh, Mm -hmm. below a certain level without destroying the economy so um, they're looking into measures where maybe you know they go down to less severe restrictions but over a longer time so like say you won't be able to meet more than have groups of more than 10 people but for a long while now, rather than, you know. So, so going into the future, we are going. Well, we, okay. You want to say yeah. add something? There? Yeah, I mean one one thing I want to say, Kata, just just to bring it back to to, to the vaccine thing. Um, I want to point out. I mean, one guy that I, I have a lot of respect for, which is the Dr. Anthony Fauci guy, the guy who comes on 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 the presidential platform in the U.S. Um, I know he get embroiled in a lot of things and whatnot, but keep in mind he's been advising five successive presidents. And when you Who's listen this? to what Dr. Anthony, Fauci, Dr. Anthony right. Fauci, right? right. 
And, uh, you know, I mean, later on, we, we, we want to get more medical opinions. But two things uh, some medical people will tell me. One, that a lot of the strategies that being effected since, um, let's say, the 1980s, 1970s, basically modern medicine, was based on uh, learnings from the Spanish flu. Um, that's one. And two, if you look at HIV and SARS, those didn't have vaccines. Um, HIV was what uh, Fauci called significantly, uh, work, significantly intense uh, treatments that worked very well. And correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but SARS disappeared on its own. I think they were saying SARS disappeared. Um, I, I, I think it, it, it definitely had less of a sort of lengthy spread than was expected. It, it was quite a big thing in the news, right? So, um, uh, sorry, I think I, I have something making noise. Anyway, yeah. So they, so that was definitely. But the thing with a lot of these epidemics, you have to be aware of. And and Dennis said the word stochasticity, right? <laughs> so <laughs> ten marks for that question. <laughs> so is effectively the idea is that um, you know, uh, so you you have heard this term super spreading a lot. Yes. Right. Yeah. So super spreading is the idea that so, so if we go back to this reproduction number, right? So some say a reproduction right. number two is I infect two people, each of those people infect two more people and so on. Right. Yeah. Um, when you have uh, and you could predict some things about the epidemic from that. And if you use that, you'll get this exponential curve, which is what a lot of people talk about. Yeah. Um, but if you if you have super spreading, for example, um, that number two is only an average across population. So some people will infect one, some people will infect 10, right. and actually a lot of people will infect zero to keep that mm -hmm. same average number. So when you have things like these going on and uh, you could get, you know, you shouldn't, I don't think you should expect, for example, right. different countries to have similar curves or similar um, right behaviors to epidemics invading. They just have a few characteristics that do more or less stay constant, like the exponent, like the exponential growth is one, but even that is not perfect, but that's yeah. a pretty robust thing. Flattening yeah. the curve is a pretty robust thing, but yeah. I wouldn't go too far in interpreting specific numbers too much. Maybe orders of magnitude, yes. Yeah. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean one one thing I would say, Chris, uh, two things. Um one of the one of the um, vaccines is not correct. One one of the treatments that started to get bantered about, and I heard it in Trinidad Cutter, is ivermectin. Right? They started to talk about using ivermectin to to help treat people. Now, I, I, I wanna I wanna make that clear. I have six dogs. Right? Six dogs. Four of them is mastiffs. Actually, no, five of them is Mastiffs and one of them is Akita. So there's huge dogs. I give them Ivermectin, right? So, I mean, people talking about Ivermectin now, which is a blue liquid I always give my dog, right? So, you know, to say that, you know, they're looking at something, I, I think looking at those exit strategies, looking at uh, techniques, increasing the hygiene of the population and whatnot, 
to control the coronavirus, I think that's more reasonable in terms of, um, you know, looking to treat with what it is we face. And now, because, I mean, when I heard ivermectin, I mean, that, I get a sense yeah, that, but, that. But the ivermectin know, being used in, in what regard? Like they use, it, it, it show in results? It, it, what, 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 what? In the dogs? Yeah, it's well good for the dogs. No, no, it, <laughs> it, it, it people, it come up, it come up as something that they try and they try anything like hydro, hydroxychloroquine or what is it? Because these things seem to be just like, you know, people trying a thing. It's not, it don't really seem like anything that is very much um, at a point of fruition, if you want to call it that or whatever, yeah, you know, as you were for these trials and these processes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know and what I mean? What, and that's why I think people need to be careful um, of trying to force that 12 to 18 month gestation period. Because when you're doing clinical trials for humans, there's a standard period that you have to go through that you know what I mean. That thing will come in September. Yeah, October. because we can't just take treat. We can't just take a hundred vagrants and them hit them up <laughs> onto the injection and think it don't work. So it don't that's work. Right. So any. I used to work so probably back in the day, but you know that's it don't work so anymore. Right. Especially right. in the of, of the internet and Facebook. Um, that's, that's right. So you know, I I want to take a little bit of um, input from our from our viewers. You know, I just want to just go through some of the things. And if anybody wants to jump out at it, and not everyone. I mean, we'll have more. We'll have more episodes in the coming weeks, folks. We'll have probably more people in the medical field and thing on, and people who could do policy and thing. Probably, hopefully, we could get them on. Um, but um, I can't see all right now. But I know um, Faraz had had asked how much of man's interfere. Well. I don't know if interference was the word he used because I can't really scroll back up to it right now. But he was saying that how much of man's impact on, on wildlife and, and, you know, our exposure and mishandling, if you want to put that, of, of, of wildlife is responsible for things like this happening. And um, I, could, I could take that one and I'll say... Um... I'll say it like this, like this coronavirus, it, it take people by surprise, but it was totally expected in the sense that um, for a long time now, the epidemiologists have been saying that, you know, uh, and human encroachment, uh, yeah. The, the, yeah, the wildlife trade, all of these things, just rampaging into, uh, you know, digging into forests, all these sort of things in closer contact with with species that things could jump across from and novel pandemics have been, I mean, the WHO uh, about a year or two ago listed something called disease X among its priorities. Um, and disease X is to say, it's not a real disease, it's what um, is a placeholder for novel pandemics because they know to expect that these things are going to happen. And as Leslie was saying earlier, if you look at it century by century, this century had a bunch of emerging epidemics already. This one mm -hmm. is the biggest of uh, a set. Well, yeah. I guess, okay, Spanish flu. And and yeah. you could, as long as that continue, you could expect more. That's the, yeah. the, the, um, so, right. they, so they need. There is a direct link between man's interference, as he, he said, you would hear for me to remember, man's interference with nature. Um, yeah. But 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 I want Inter to no interaction interaction ah not interference yeah. again a little too um, yeah. harsh and, on the connotation interaction man's interaction yeah. with nature. And, and, now and is I it want... that is it that the interaction we are talking about here is it 
that there are certain types of interaction, like let me say like the actual example that has been banded around like the wet markets and then are those are the, the more kind of high risk kind of things or is it just the typically man going into areas where wildlife once, you know, dominated? Well, this could be a bunch of them. Farming is one as well. Um, right. um, but the thing is, uh, part of this, part of the, sorry, part of the whole thing behind this is just the massively growing population. Yes. So, right. So, yeah. So that's kind of the big driving so, force. Yeah. yeah it, so, it goes deep. It goes deep. Uh, and you'll yeah, also, yeah. and another that, point to, to bring in is people have shown that uh, climate change factors also have a big part in this too. Right. What, yeah. How do you how how would you explain that? Um, so I don't know too much about this. I just know that emerge there's been work on it, but effectively with climate change and so on, especially in um, less developed countries, right, they face more like you could say dangerous conditions that lead to them seeking out, like so say you know, except you have more flooding, more droughts, things like that. They seek out more. Um, you know, they end up interacting, they end up doing things that you wouldn't normally do. You end up interacting more with, um, you know, taking more risks and so on, going into forests, you know, doing like, and you might clear a bunch of forests to try and get more space to farm, for example, things like these. And the consequence always to create habitats that more likely to help epidemics spread. And of course, global travel is a big thing too, you know. You could, Dennis, yeah. in... In your experience, um, the the test, the testing, the process to be tested in America. Like, let me say you feel sick, right? How easy it is for you? Do you think? I mean, you might no, I might be asking the, the best question here, but if you were to feel sick and you have a dry cough and you you think that you may have a mild case of coronavirus, how easy is it for you to get tested for that? So initially, pretty difficult. And let me just preface this by saying, but the healthcare system in the U.S. is very complicated, right? It's not a universal healthcare system. For me personally, I have insurance through my employer, but I would often, you know, switch from uh, PPO, which is like Kaiser, like a fully included service, to like yeah. a HSA and things like that. So really, in the beginning, it was a mess because you didn't know if your insurance provider one would cover it or even have the ability to provide the test. Now, in the Bay Area recently, like Stanford has kind of stepped to the fore with some of the drive-through testings and, and things like that. And because the healthcare system in California hasn't been overwhelmed, that it is uh, easier now than before to, to get tested. But I would say in the US for, for a supposedly developed country, it, it's pretty difficult, even for symptomatic people. Uh, and I think uh, various cities that are overwhelmed across the world, it, it is similar. And part of it is just the, the number of, of the amount of PPE, but also the number of tests. So I'm sure you guys follow the story of the CDC rolling out the tests that were incorrect early on, not using what the WHO recommended, and that set people back. So that, that's a whole different story. But it, it varies state to state. In, in California, luckily, um, the governor has gone out and procured on, its own, on his own a bunch of tests, things like that. But, you know, as you can see in the news, different states have to kind of fend for themselves in terms of what? being able to get testing. I hear you. So it's, it's, it's a difficult scene across uh, around the world. So it's no 
strange situation we're facing here in Trinidad where you, you're only, only testing people who, who pretty much traveled or dying. That's, that's, that's Trinidad, you know? Full stop. Is that a travel or you're dying? Or you're like, you know, you're, you're looking real sick and they had a, they had a thing, they had a test here. Um, I, 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 would, I mean, obviously in America with a population that is a hundred times bigger than Trinidad, you know what I mean? Um, there will be more testing, of course, but I think overall we're still lacking a lot here in terms of our ratios of, of testing and, and, and I guess that's because it tests in itself. And then it tests itself. It's such a funny thing because it's a swab test and it could come back negative, but then it could be wrong. And it, it, it's such a, is there another kind of test? Chris, is there, um, is there, is, is there a swab test that is available? Um, I'm, I'm not aware of uh, anything else, but I wouldn't say right. I've kept up to date with that. So. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and, and also, yeah. um, I wanted to get uh, this whole thing about the WHO. Now, the WHO, you know, is right now in a, a state of disrepute, I would say, in terms of how they, well, first of all, they in disrepute with your boy Trump because he is, um, you know, he is he not having it with them right now. He, he, he thought that, they you know, they drag their foot on certain things. And then there's this whole talk about China and their relations and, all the, and then, you know, a lot of theories started coming to play and old talk and, and thing. But do you all think that the WHO was negligent in any way? Does anyone think they were negligent or they, were, or they could have done a better job or anything? No. I mean, you want to be... You, you want Speak to be a little louder, there, Shankara. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you want to be fair to the WHO um, because they just fall in between a lot of political divides that exist. Um, Taiwan is a perfect example of that because uh, a lot of people attribute Taiwan's good response to their early uh, detection of, of, of the COVID and they acted on it. And they deliberately say that they did not take China's word for it and they did not take WHO's word for it because they say WHO is in cahoots with China and that kind of thing. But everybody know the one world policy with China and the rift with Taiwan and so on. So it's they using that to, you know, to, to create that rift that, you know, I, I, I don't think um, is reasonable because of how robust the organization is. And for places, small island developing states like in the Pacific, uh, we, do, we depend heavily on the WHO uh, to give guidance in terms of specifications for medicines, equipment, testing, testing and that kind of thing. Um, and they, they, they do a, a really good job in terms of, in terms of controlling that through related agencies like World Bank and UN Ops and, and, and all of these places. So, I mean, they, they would just look at it as fulfilling their mandate, but they do get sucked in to a series of uh, political wars, which, I mean, they're not a country, so, 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 so they would lose yeah. a lot and, of and, Okay. Oh, sorry, I was gonna add to what yeah. Messi just yeah. said, um, was um, also is, the the people usually blaming the WHO are the people who have already sort of dragged their feet. So yes, <laughs> put that down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Um, anybody has anything to say about this whole uh, ambiguity of well, there was once an ambiguity of the face masks. Now it's not ambiguity anymore. But why was there that ambiguity at first? Or is it just because they didn't want people to was it a case of 
because at first it, there was the talk that you know you don't want to hog the masks and not have essential workers having their masks so you just stay in and not try not to get but then there was also talk that it was phrased in such a way that the mask were not really important because it didn't really help anything it so is did they kind of pick and choose how they wanted to say those things did authorities kind of do you twist those words you find or, the, or is it that only after a certain point they realize that okay you should wear a face mask because it seems to transfer easily through like that the the, the particle droplet um movement is somewhat you know as they say it's not airborne but at the same time it can you know travel a good way through the air and you could inhale it and so uh, anybody has any thoughts on how that well, so I because give, I, yeah i can give my perspective on it how it kind of was rolled out in california and i think initially it was it, it, they understood that it probably would help but for the reasons they didn't want the hoarding of the mask but then also they wanted people to realize that social distancing was by far the number one thing they could do so like one of the one of like one theory that I read is that the you know the washing hands and stop touching your face that actually may have eroded uh, some of the value of social distances because people would think okay because I have you know good hand hygiene good face hygiene that that I am safe right and they found that people were still going out to bars and you know like the social distancing was re they really needed to hammer home that and I think that's part of the reason they pumped the brakes a little bit on the mass was to not give people a false sense of security. And that, that's just my perspective from how it was messaged there. And I'm sure that there are like different medical nuances as to uh, how much it would help in terms of preventing the spread. But I think at least here, it was largely a messaging thing earlier on. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I also want to say though, Cutter, that resource scarcity is a very, very, very real thing. I want to make that clear. Uh, right now in Micronesia, we're trying to procure medicines, medical equipment and whatnot, and like a gene expert testing lab facility. They have, the manufacturers of this testing lab have stopped taking orders for two weeks now because of the global demand. Getting masks is very difficult. So, you know, resource scarcity may have fed into some of that. Um, scientifically, I don't know if, 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 if there's much credence to it because um, if you're going places like Taiwan, having a mask publicly is mandatory. You know, you you could get jailed for not for not having a mask. So, you know, I I, <clears throat> I I would tend to think scientifically it is sound, but you know, um, that 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 definitely um, resource scarcity I think really contributes to it. Okay, I hear you. Now. The future, how does this impact our future? What, what, what are you all seeing major changes in, in terms of, we already see the changes in terms of right now we have these measures, right? So socially everything has changed, right? But we're gonna ease back into, you know, as what was the word you used, Chris, the measure, the-, the Exit strategies exit strategies right you also say that although there is an exit strategy some things are going to remain changed in yeah. the sense that we cannot say that all okay by next like for me for instance i don't see that it have no carnival next year in trinidad 
You know what I mean? Right? No, if they do, no, like, I mean, I, I, that's what I see in. You know what I mean? I'm seeing that, you know, it, it is very highly unlikely or smart mm-hmm. or sensible that we should have, uh, especially seeing that the carnival, well, then again, that'll be a whole other thing because then it already, the carnival that mm-hmm. passed has been a big issue about if we should have it and all kind of thing and thing and thing, yeah. right? But um, overall, I can see that um, we are going to have to look at a big change in how we go about our lives in terms of um, human interaction. Like I'm a person, I'm a very tactile person. You might like to say, you know, I was like, I'll hit people bonks and, and <laughs> hug and, and kiss my auntie when I see she and thing on a very regular basis and thing. Do, these things going to have to kind of, the social codes kind of have to shift, I would say. Am I sensible in saying that? And they might have to shift for a while because we don't know when we're going to actually have a handle on things like this. Um, I mean, I would just say that uh, at least until until a vaccine rolls out in a big way, effectively, yeah, there'll definitely be some some changes of some kind going around, particularly with a degree of distancing. I think. Yeah, I'm not unlike, sure. Unlike, yeah. unlike public transport and thing, I don't think that Trinidad. You know, if we do have school in September because we have stopped school until September pretty much that's what's going on we're not going to even have SEA because we control that examination that examination is going to be in September well hopefully the exit strategy of Trinidad you know sets things up that you know I mean schools is like the hotbed for that to spread in a way because it's such a chaotic environment and you have 30 every two feet you have 30 individuals in a room you know, and you have hundreds of them in one place, you know, you have over a thousand people in one area on every given day. Um, it's, it's, it's a real scary thought, you know, that if this, you know, that, that, that we may not have a handle on this thing, but we may have to just bite the bullet and get back out into the real world because, you know, it, it, it we can't stay locked in forever, you know? Um, but, I, I think that, you know, travel, air tra- I don't see anybody getting any chance to travel to like, you know, like a, a trainee who want to pick up and go Miami for the, for the, for the Christmas and thing. Do you all think that there will still be a lot of, do you think that this now is going to give a, a higher sense, a, a, enable a higher sense of like, maybe you want to call it like stricter border control and probably even like nationalism and that kind of thing? That people might be like, you know, they don't want foreigners coming into their country and all of that. Well, I mean, I think that that bit probably already started, right? <laughs> I mean, the 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 reason why the reasons that they, they move away because it's originally called the Wuhan coronavirus, and they stripped mm-hmm. that because, um, you know, all the connotations coming out with that, with a name like that going about, um, they have multiple cases of people being abused in certain ways for looking Asian. From China, China. Well, it, I mean, it it's from China. Yeah, it's from the, your boy said from China. Is it Chinese coronavirus? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a scary. It's a scary thing. I mean, I think people need to. I think people need to realize that this is the biggest thing to happen since World War Two to the entire world. You know, in terms of physically, it's not as bloody and whatever. But in terms of physically having people change the way they live 
across the yeah. world. This yeah. is the biggest thing, and we cannot say that we are going to ever, right now, see the world going back to how it was last year. And that's why I'm saying, like, you know, all it, there will be real. We, it, yeah. it will be, you know, I mean, unless we have a handle on a vaccine and we can say that, okay, we have found a method to counteract this thing like that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, people need to know that, you know, all these plans, they might have to go Miami and thing and to play carnival and I mean, and carnival mm-hmm. itself needs time to plan and all everything on hold, every business, every everything that, that is grand, music festivals across the world had to stop. They're not going to have any for the rest of the year. You know, Canada doesn't have school for the rest of the year. You know, um, yeah. it's time for but, people to reformat how they think about their, their, this, this reality. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, mean, I agree with Kata, it. Yeah, no, that's it. One, one, one thing I would say to Kata is that I think people have to be mindful um, and, and anyone who, you know, want to research should, should probably pick up some of Darwin's original books on natural selection and evolution of species because it's going to give quite a few answers to certain facts that we as, as a species facing. That in the 1800s, the total population of the world was 1 billion. When we were born, we knew the population to be like 6.2 billion, something like that. Cut the population now is 7.74 billion on the earth. That's, that's seven times what it was in, 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 in the 1800s. You must have to do some sort of adaptation to be able to exist in this far more populated world. And, you know, um, for a lot of people, a lot of people think uh, technology is the answer. Um, in China and um, Taiwan, they use a lot of technology to help them uh, with controls. So they don't have police and amalgamated and all these people running around, um, you know, scouring the streets and that kind of thing. They just use people's phones to determine whether they're still indoors. People could use their phones to figure out where have stocks for medicines and that kind of thing. And to me, um, you know, that's, that's the direction things need to go. I don't know, Dennis, what, what is technology like in, in terms of COVID, you know, uni heart attack, the, the worldwide center of technology in Silicon Valley? Yeah, so I think, uh, as you mentioned, like the, the contact tracing is a big, uh, big area of focus and, you know, how that affects personal privacy. So both like Google and Apple have stepped forward to, to try to, you know, implement solutions to that. And there are certainly ways they could do it that uh, would respect individual privacy, but privacy is not a black or white uh, area, right? So again, it's a trade-off between you know, managing public health versus uh, like how much uh, true privacy and anonymity and things they have like that. So those are difficult yeah. questions to, to, to yeah. take. And we'll have, we have, we'll have another episode, we'll have more live sessions, people. So we're going to have to wrap up now because um, we have to commit to other calls and so on. So um, I just want to read some of the input that we have here so far. Um, we have Rajiv Siram, we should not pivot our plans on a vaccine that may take 18 months to materialize. Um, there is, for us, what about men eating armadillo here? It is likely that a breakout will happen if we continue. Um, very true. So all you continue to have all your wild meat, lime and things, see what go on, right? Um, the, how do we think 
Kyron Ramu says, how do you all think the world? Yeah, Chris, 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 you're laughing, man. <laughs> how do you all think the world will deal with China post-pandemic? I mean, that's a, I think international relations are going to change so much because of this. And as I said, you know, how we envision each other and thing. Um, there is, uh, I have WHO's first notification from Irvin Butchen. Um, WHO's first notification was on December 31st, clusters of atypical pneumonia. They put out guidance, prevention of, which included prevention of human-to-human transmission from as early as January 10th. Um, so that they, you know, they said that's how they were, they were making, I think people main big thing is they should have ball pandemic from early. People say they take long to, to say it as a pandemic. Like, um, Rajiv is saying guys, the WHO was very late in declaring a pandemic. They refused to listen to Taiwan. Hey, 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 Cutter, tell, tell Irvin, tell, tell Irvin Behavi sir before I send Philip Alexander for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well now, Butch Behavi himself here. Kwame Week says countries taking the chances with herd immunity will be used as guinea pigs. If it works, I see other governments biting the bullet if the vaccine takes too long. I mean, in a way, in a way Italy is the reason why we have all these lockdown measures, you know. Yeah. And if it wasn't Italy, it would have been someone else. Some nation had to fail. Well, not fail, but fall. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some nation had to fake the fall for the Act rest of the Access tribute, oh. yeah. You understand? That's, that's as sad as it is. It's the reality. Because everybody looked at the virus and said whatever. Even if the and, and, the... and the WHO didn't call the pandemic and whatever. But I mean, at the same time, it, it really questions our whole global situation as how, how we envision a threat in one area and how it affects us as a as as a world um and so overall uh and navin says that cutter already did philip <laughs> navin says that so overall i just want to thank everybody for tuning in today we we have to to call it a, a day here, here now but um, I want to thank Chris and Dennis, right? Yeah, um, thanks, go, go, going yeah. forward, you know, we'll have our next session. We might have you guys on again. We will see how it goes, you know, as this situation pans out. We want to thank everybody for viewing. Um, be sure to share the live video for everyone who didn't get to see it. Uh, it will be up and we'll be putting it on YouTube as well. And be sure to like the Heights Room page and follow us on social media. And we'll keep these discussions going. Thank you for your time, everyone. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Dennis. Thank Shankara. It's, it's 5 a.m. at Shankara's. It's, it's 2 o'clock we start here. We start about what time it was by you when we start, um, Dennis? Uh, when we 11, started. Yeah. It was 11 and by Chris is what? 7. Well, now it's 8, but it was 7. 8 o'clock, right? So, you know, yeah. everybody take it to hard luck Shankara. You know what I saw? Sometimes somebody <laughs> take it fall, right? You come like, you know, somebody take it fall. Shankara is right? Italy. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. That's what's going on today, right? All right, because... Yeah, we make me a little stupid joke there, right? <laughs> I was gonna say it, I don't wanna say it. Yeah, All right, but yeah, thanks everybody. Thanks everybody okay. who um who watching and yeah. everybody take care and be safe and be sure to take him take your time and wash your hands and distance and so on as the case may be. All right. So from all of us here at the heights room, bless up and take take it easy. All right, thanks guys. All right, yep, thanks, yep. Yeah man. Later. Later. Yeah, let's see any video there.
be live. Yeah. You think I think it's still live? 